but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. In verse 30 he says, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And then again, the Lord shall judge his people. He says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Jesus says, Believe also in me. Do you have that peace? See, there, you, you can know all about God. You, can, you could have sit in this church every day since its inception. But if you don't have Jesus in your heart, there's a reason that you sit there and you wonder, am I really saved? There's a reason that there's no peace when you're among the believers, but you feel comfortable around maybe your worldly friends. They might be good moral people but there are the God's people. Jesus says, He says, believe also in me. And He gives them, gives them something to look forward to. You know, 1 Corinthians uh, 2.9, the Bible says, I hath not seen nor ear heard nor hath in, have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. You know, that's a, a, Paul wrote that. It, it's a, a, a close takeoff on Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 4. When the children of Israel were in captivity, under Babylonian captivity, and they were begging God, you know, what's, what's to be brought, what's to happen to us? Lord, Lord, help us. And Isaiah wrote that verse. And the idea there is, that you know, no matter what's going on, the troubles that this world heaps in our lap, and I know we're, we shouldn't worry, but we do have concerns. You know, it's it, it's it's funny when when uh, when he speaks here, he says, "Let not your heart be troubled." He says, "Troubled," and and it, it means out of hand, troubled out of hand beyond measure. But you know, he knows that this world does bring sadness. There's sadness when there's loss of life. There's grief. There's, there's, there's some fear that enters in. But he said, not out of measure. Not out of measure of faith. He said, I've got a promise for you. And it's of a, a heavenly place. A place of reward. A place that, that you just can't imagine. You know, John in Revelations chapter 21, when he's speaking of heaven, I think he just kind of ran out of superlatives for it because he began to tell us what's not in heaven. He said, you know, in heaven that there's, there's no fear, there's no crying, there's no pain, no grief. You know, not, not like when we have a vacation and... and uh, Work, we can put work far behind us. It's not like that. Because we know when we get back from vacation, work's in front of us again. But that'll never be there again. It'll not be a thought to us ever again. you believe how much He loves you? And then Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. 
I was thinking about that in verse 6 where Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. I am the way. You know, those that he goes to prepare a place for, he said, you know what? If you're my children and I'm going to prepare this place for you, you don't have to worry anymore. None of that consternation, am I saved? Am I going to heaven? If you've believed on Jesus Christ by faith in His work on the cross, that, that you know that He died on that cross, that He shed His blood to save you, and you've accepted that, and by faith asked Him to come into your heart, that fear should flee from you. I know there's things that, that crop up. Sometimes we get away from the Lord. That should never be an abiding fear. You know, John said in John 1.29, he said this about Jesus. You know, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus came so that you might have life and that you might have it how? More abundantly, right? He didn't, it wasn't like the Old Testament sacrifices that just covered your sin for a little while. He took it away, never more to be brought up against you, never more to be put to your account. When I think about Jesus in the way, I remember a, a time I was at a rail yard up in New Jersey, and I was a young guy, and I tell you what, when the first time I, I went up 95 up through New Jersey, I couldn't believe the things I was seeing. I mean, over on my right, there's this giant mountain of metal. It's a scrapyard right next to the interstate. I just couldn't believe. Down around it, here, here's a train, but it's not like an Amtrak train. It's got wires above it, and it, it's an electric train. I've never saw anything like it. It's like old-timey, you know? I'm, I'm coming up on the airport, and I look, and I count one, two, three, four. I can count six jets in a row coming in to land at, at uh, this airport. I mean, this is like something out of um, Starsky and Hutch, you know, the city. I've, I've never seen anything like it. And I get into this place, and I have to wait on a load. And, and it's by God's grace I found the place, because rail yards are in the oldest part of town, the most dangerous part of town, I think. And there I am. And it's getting dark, and it's the dead of night, and it's finally it shows up, and I get it. And I go to the office, and this lady there, she says, she says, is an older lady, she says, young man, she said, do you know where you're at? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't. She said, do you know how dangerous it is around here? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't. <laughs> she said, do you know how to get to the interstate? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't. And she said, son, she said, you follow me. You know what she did? She got in her car and she led me out of that place. She led me right where I need to go. And when Jesus says he is the way, that's what he's done for you. He's, he's led you to the place you are to go. I want to finish here for Brother Tony. I won't, won't pursue this anymore, but you know at the end of that parable where Jesus is talking to the Sadducees, the thing about the Sadducees is they didn't believe in the resurrection. In Mark chapter 12, it adds a little bit to what Jesus said there. When he talked about the resurrection, you know what he said to those Sadducees? He done said you err, but he said concerning the resurrection, 
you do greatly err. You know, we can make mistakes in life, but if we make the mistake of missing the way, which is Jesus Christ, we've erred eternally. We've greatly erred. Thank you, Brother Dale. Appreciate that. That was really good. That was a good illustration there about the way being led. Exactly what the Lord wants, what He desires. I feel like it's been a while since I've taught. You know, we, we have been three weeks. And I appreciate Brother Jared a couple weeks ago teaching. I listened to it. It was really good on the peace of God. Well, peace with God, peace of God, and then peace with the saints. Really good. And last week with Brother Bob, appreciate that. Just be praying for them. He's in a new church this morning. I talked to him this morning, and uh, heading to Florida. And it takes them a while to get to Florida now, Miss Joanne. So just be praying for them as he enters into a, a new church this morning. So be praying for him. Uh, any special requests this morning on this side? Russ. praying for all of these. Be praying for Miss Chloe. She starts her last treatment, you said, in two weeks. And, uh, just be praying that her number stays up good enough that she can uh, do this last treatment and then this bout of this stuff that she gets, uh, this infection that she gets, that uh, it'll stay, just Lord, keep that away enough that she can continue to take this last treatment. And Danny, my brother, he's having a lot of trouble with the sciatic nerve. Maybe praying for him. And then Sandra's sick. Maybe praying for her this morning. Uh, anybody else over here? Who's on this side? Anybody at all? Donna? Man, Thank God for what he does. He's faithful. Grace is sufficient. Mercy every day. We take so much for granted, I do. I've been praying this morning, Lord, you're a good God. You're a good God in spite of all the, the things that we go through. Listen, God is good. I just, you know, the devil make you think he's not. Listen, God is good. Amen. And thank God for him, what he does. Anybody else over here? Come on this side this morning. Uh, Will? Let's be praying for Melissa's mom. She'll be having some scans done tomorrow on some spots that they think could be cancerous. So just be praying for Melissa's mom tomorrow. Um, that would be Lauren. Okay. Be praying for Leah. She went into labor yesterday. 
And I'll just be praying that God keeps everyone safe there, healthy baby, and, uh, speedier delivery uh, to go speedily. So just be praying for Leah this morning. Anybody else? Uh, Brother Rick? Tomorrow, be praying for Molly tomorrow. Has a follow-up scan done tomorrow, test done. So just be praying for her. She has that done. And then Miss Diane's not feeling well this morning, so be praying for her. And an unspoken request, uh, whatever that might be, God knows. Uh, just be praying for that need, situation. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, Amy. <laughs> Okay, be praying for Amy's dad. He's got a tear in his hip and uh, a steroid injection in that. Just be praying for him. It's got to be painful. Uh, continue to be praying for Katie with the blood clot in her liver. She's, she's really been painful this week. and uh, seems like the medicine's starting to work some, but just a lot of abdominal pain. So be praying for her this morning. Uh, anybody else? Anybody at all? Praying for Kylie and her arthritis that the medicine will start taking effect and helping, working there. Um, in the back. Who's having tests on Tuesday? Okay, be praying for Angie. Uh, Poland used to be in our church, her and Barry. Just be praying for Angie. She's having some tests done on Tuesday. Anyone else? Anybody at all? Okay, another request. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin. Father, I count it a privilege to talk to you again. Lord, I thank you this morning. Father, for what I've already heard. Lord, I thank you that you commanded us for us not to let our heart be troubled. Lord, there's trouble on every side. Father, we realize this morning that we're victors. Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we have so much. I have so much. Lord, I thank you that you have gone to prepare a place that where you are, we might be also. And Father, I, I can't imagine... Lord, because I haven't, hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard, Lord, it's never even entered into my heart what lies ahead. Father, I thank you for the great love of God. Lord, a love that I'll never comprehend, a, never, a love that I'll never understand. How that a holy, righteous God would love sinful men. Haters of God, Lord, you loved us enough that you gave your very best. You gave all that you had. Your own very son. To come to an earth where he was rejected from the beginning, not just from the time he started his messages, but from the very beginning, he was rejected. 
Lord, I want to thank you that that never deterred you. The applause of man, the gratification of man, none of that deterred you from going to Calvary. Lord, I'm so glad that there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Lord, the name Buddha couldn't fix things. The name Muhammad could never fix things. Allah, Confucius. Lord, all the gods of this world could never change the situation that man was in. Only the Lord Jesus Christ could redeem us, could buy us out of a slave market of sin and put our feet on a solid rock, offer redemption for whosoever will. Lord, I'm so thankful this morning for your great love. The Word of God is so clear. Lord, it doesn't leave question when I read it about the love of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. In the very beginning, when man rebelled, Lord, your grace has always been evident. Mercy. Father, I thank you this morning from the bottom of my heart. Lord, for the word of God. Lord, that I'm able to handle the eternal word of God. The only thing really that my hands will ever touch here that's eternal that I can put my hands on. Lord, I thank you for Father, this morning we've heard requests. Lord, I know there are people hurting in this very room this morning. Lord, I think of Arnold. He's faithful to come. Lord, I pray that you'll keep him healthy as he prepares for this surgery that he'll be having. Lord, I pray that it would be a success. Father, just help him physically. Lord, I think of Chloe this morning. Lord, in the situation that her little life's in, Father, with this cancer. And Father, I thank you how that you've answered prayer. Lord, how that you're working. Father, just keep her healthy till she has this last treatment. And Father, I pray that these aggressive treatments that her little body has endured. Father, will work. Lord, I thank you for the wisdom that you've given man, doctors. Lord, to be able to do these things and just help her physically. Lord, be with the family there and just help them and encourage them. Meet every need that they have. Father, I think of Donna this morning and Lord, her praise for answered prayer. Lord, I pray for her. Father, I pray that you'll just Continue to give her your grace every day. Father, help her just to draw up close to you. Father, I think of Sebastian's family. Lord, for Ariel and the rest of them, Lord, as they mourn the death of Sebastian. Father, just help them. Lord, other ones we know of, Lord, that are mourning. Lord, that are heartbroken. Father, just help them. Lord, I think of Melissa's mom tomorrow. Father, she'll be having these tests done. 
Lord, on these spots that she has. Father, I pray that you'll give doctors wisdom, clarity, be able to see. Lord, it's our desire that the tests all come back negative. Father, but just be with her in the situation she's in. Father, for Rick's unspoken request this morning. Lord, whatever that need might be, that unspoken need, Lord, that you know about, Father, I pray that you'll intervene in this situation and prove yourself to be mighty God. Father, I pray for Diane this morning that's not feeling good. And for Molly tomorrow, she has these tests done this week. Lord, just uh, be with that situation. And Lord, I pray that we'll get a good result. Father, for Leah today, Lord, as she's in labor, Father, I just pray for her. Lord, I pray for uh, just keep her safe, keep the baby safe. Father, may it be a healthy delivery of a new baby into this world. Uh, Father, for other requests this morning that's been mentioned, Lord, that I failed to mention. Father, for Amy's dad, Lord, I just pray for him with this tearing his hip. Lord, the pain that has to be associated with that, Lord, just help him. Father, I think of Katie, Lord, with this blood clot, that you'll just uh, work there and help this medication to shrink it. And Lord, just uh, ease the pain that she's having. Father, for Kylie with her arthritis, Lord, help the medication to begin to work and uh, take effect. And Father... As we open up your truth this morning, Lord, I need help. Father, I don't want to do anything in my own energy. Lord, in my own wisdom, in my own knowledge, Lord, because I have any, I have none. Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your help. Father, because I want to be a blessing, Lord, to deliver truth from the word of God. Father, be with Brother Lane today as he brings the message. Father, I pray that you'll just empower him. We'll give him compassion, give him wisdom. Father, fill him with your spirit. Lord, as the word of God goes forward today, Lord, may we already be excited. Just because we're able to be here, we're able to have it. Father, we could live in a place where we had none. Lord, I thank you that we don't live there. That I've, but I live here, but Lord, to where much is given, much is required. And Father, help us today just to be appreciative of what we have. And Lord, again, I thank you for all you've done and all you're going to do. And it's in your son's precious name I pray. Amen. Take your Bible. Go to Romans chapter 7. I hope you're enjoying the book of Romans. I sure am. I don't think there's another book as far as the first 11 chapters are concerned that has so much doctrine. I don't, I don't know of any. It's, it, I wish I was more apt to be able to teach it. There's so much here. You know, from the condition of man, with man's sin, to the love of God, to willingly redeem man, to justify him. You know, so much said about the way to heaven, the way to God, how that the law could never justify man. Goodness, works, church, religion, all this is given. 
What are we going to allow to master us? You know, the power of sin, it doesn't have to reign in our life no more. We've already looked at that. It doesn't have to reign in your life. It doesn't have to reign in my life. When you get to chapter 7, you know, there's an old saying. There's nothing certain in life but death and taxes. Well, I've never experienced death, but I have experienced taxes. We all have. And, uh, I believe the only way to get free from them is, to, is death. You know, I've thought about it. Uh, one day, maybe the IRS will come and give my wife a bill, but they won't be able to touch me with it. You know. <laughs> Why? I am beyond its reach. I am beyond its reach. There is not a law of God or a law of man that can affect you once death comes. You're beyond its reach. That's really what Paul's trying to get us to understand about our relationship, our new relationship to the law and to sin in chapter 7. That's what Paul's trying to get us to understand. He makes the analogy. We just looked in chapter 6 where Paul made the analogy to a master and his slave. But when you get to chapter 7, Paul makes the analogy of the husband and wife. And he uses that analogy to describe our new relationship to the law, our new relationship to sin, our new relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He cements that. In, in chapter 7, just in this chapter alone, Paul describes three men. Paul describes or three types of mankind. Let me put it that way. I always say men, but three types of human beings. The natural man. Paul talks about the natural man. We all know who the natural man is. The natural man is the unsaved man. He's the unsaved person. Uh, He's that one that... He's in Adam. He's not in Christ. He's allowing his fleshly appetites to rule his life. He's unsaved. He's never come to know Christ yet. That's the natural man. Then you have the carnal man. You see him here in chapter 7. The carnal man. This is the man that is saved. A man that does know the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's not allowing chapter 6 and verse 11 to be prominent in his life. When it says there in chapter 6 and verse 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. The carnal man's not allowing God to dominate. He's allowing in part, if not whole, the flesh to dominate. He's carnal. He's being ruled by his senses. 
Then you have the spiritual man. The spiritual man is the believer whose life is controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Three people. Three types of people. The natural man, the unsaved man, the carnal man who is saved but walking not as God would have him to walk. And then the spiritual man. All in this chapter. And we're going to see them in this chapter as we go through it. But let's look into the first six verses. I don't think we'll get any further than that this morning. But in chapter 7 and verse 1, he says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak unto them that know the law. Who's this? The spiritual man. He's talking to first here to spiritual people, to the spiritual man. For I speak unto them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my beloved, my, wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Remember that. Dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, in other words, the natural appetites of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Oh, I love verse 6, the first two words. But now. You got to circle that. But now. We are delivered from the law. That being dead wherein we were held. That we should serve in newness of spirit. And not in the oldness of the letter. Paul begins here in verse 1 by showing the power of the law. The power of the law. When you look at verse 1, he says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man for how long? As long as he liveth. Paul begins chapter 7 showing the idea and the power of the law over mankind. The law of God. That's what it's talking about here. The law of God. The idea here is that all laws, listen, all laws, whether they're God's laws or man's laws, they have power over us as long as we're alive. But the moment we die, the moment we become dead, 
Those laws have no power over us. The law has no power over me. The laws of man has no power. I'm out of its reach. You know, you can you could take the example there of uh, when Lee Harvey Oswald killed President John F. Kennedy there in Texas. Now, when he did that and they took him in, he was under the penalty of the law of Texas, under the penalty of the law of the United States. But when, what was his name, came in and shot him? Ruby. But when he walked into that police station there and and killed him, Oswald was no longer under the penalty of the law of Texas. Why? He was out of reach. He was dead. What good would it have done to set a dead man in a chair and tried him for murder? You see, no longer was he under the law. He had gone past its reach because he was dead. What did chapter 6 talk about you and I being? Dead. When Christ died on the cross, what happened? We died with him. We died with him. Verse 11 He says there in chapter 6 and verse 11, likewise reckon. That word reckon means to count, to weigh the facts. Ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You go on down to verse 16 of that same chapter. He says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are ye whom ye obey, whether of servants whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You see, you and I are dead. We're dead in Christ. Verse 1, that's what he's trying to get the, to begin with. We've got to understand that. I am dead in a Christ. I have been, I died with him on the cross. And when he was buried and rose again, I arose with him. Unto a new life. That's what this, he goes on in verses 2 and 3. To give the example, he uses a husband and a wife and their marriage. He says in verse 2, For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law. Of her husband. You see, when you and I die, we are free from the demands of the law. It can't reach us, it can't touch us. Verse 2 and 3 gives us a picture of the law. Verse 2 tells us about the woman being married, but if her husband dies, what is it? She is free from the law. She's free from that law that bound her to her husband. He goes on in verse 3 and says, So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, 
she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Listen, if she were to leave him for another, what is she? She's an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free. She's free to marry again. She's free to go on. She's not under that law anymore. Because her husband's dead. Paul uses this just to help us to understand that for the only way for us to be free, the only way for us to be free from the confines of the law is for us to be dead. And thank God we are. We're dead in Christ. New freedom he talks about here in verse 4. He talks about this new freedom. Verse 4 he says, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead. What? Listen to what he says. Dead to the law. How? By the body of Christ. That ye should be what? What's the next three words? Married to another. Married to another. Even to him. Who is the other? Him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Our new freedom. Listen, our marriage to the law is over. Not by divorce. Listen, it's not by divorce, it's by death. It's because of what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're dead to the law, dead to sin. He says there that we should be married to another. What does the law demand? You ever think about it? You know what the law demands. The law says we're all guilty. The law demands death. That's what the law demands. It demands death. The law tells me you can never live up to it. And hey, you can't. I can't. You know, it's so strange. The law is not evil. Don't get what I'm... Don't misunderstand me here. The law of God is not evil. It's not the law that's dead. It's the believer that's dead. Not the law. But... Before I accept Christ, before I'm married to another, the do's and don'ts of the law, you know what that raises in my old fleshly body? Rebellion. All it does, all my flesh wants to do is oppose what God says. Do this, do this, to live a victorious place, be in a victorious place. Do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. Well, all my flesh wants to do is say, what do you say, don't? Well, I will. Do you say do? Oh, well, I'm not. You see, because that's the nature of Adam, is to go totally against what God wants. It's not that the law is evil. It's not that the law is dead. 
But before I'm married to another, all I ever want to do is do things that's contrary to the law of God. Because I have no nature to want to do things that are according to the law. I don't have that. You don't have that before. But have you ever noticed how much easier and how much more of a desire? I know in my own life, and it should be in yours, I'm sure it is, a desire to obey the laws of God after salvation. Before salvation, I didn't want to obey any of the laws of God. I didn't want to obey any of them. All I wanted to do was break them. But when I became married to another... When the Lord Jesus Christ came into my life and I became dead with Him, all of a sudden, there was a desire to do what the law said to do, to live as God said to live. We have that freedom, a new freedom. We died with Christ. Because of that, the law has no more claims against us. We're free in Jesus. A new family, verse 4, talks about being married to another. We're part of His family now. I'm part of the family of God. If you're a child of God, you're part of the family of God. And real quickly, we don't have time to finish it all, but I do want to try to look at these first six verses. Uh, verses 5 and 6 gives a comparison of the old versus the new. The old way, before I was married to another, versus what I have now. Verse 5 says, when we were in the flesh, the motion of sin, listen, the natural appetites of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. That's the old way. That was what I had before Christ. All I had was a desire, fleshly desires, fleshly appetites, appetites for the things of this world, not the things of God. That was before. Verse 6 says, but now, but now, now that I am a child of God, all has changed. He says there in verse 6, we are delivered. We are delivered from the law. That being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. There should be a difference in your life. Why? you're dead to the law. You're dead in Christ. I'm dead in Christ. There's a difference. The law, you see, it can't reach me anymore. I'm dead. I'm dead. And I'm alive in Christ. And because of that, because of that being now, what I have now, it's just amazing to me when I think back on my life, of what it was before and what it is now, the change. Think back in your own life. 
I remember when we were in school. I look at Brother Dale and Frank. I remember when we were in school. Listen, I had no desire. I had my own desires. What God said do, I usually did the opposite. Thought nothing of it. Thought nothing of it. That was just the way. That because of the flesh, because I made the law evil then. But you see, but now, when I look at the commands of God and the word of God, I don't want to go contrary to them now. I have a desire to live by them now. You see, the law is not evil. Don't misunderstand me. The law is not evil. And the law is not dead. It's the believer that's dead. The law's alive. But it's, I'm past its confines. I'm no longer I'm no longer under its confines because I'm dead in Christ. Why? He fulfilled it. You see, when he died, he fulfilled it, and because me being in him when he died, we fulfilled it. We fulfilled it. Look at verses seven through about fourteen next week. <laughs> 